Welcome to Cyberbytes, the podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cooper, co-founder of Aspiron Search. This week's guest, we have Leo Yari, CEO and co-founder at Grip Security. Hot off the back of a 41 million Series B funding round, I got the chance to sit down with Lior and talk all things Grip Security. How are you, mate? Good, good. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you for having me here today. No, pleasure's all mine, mate. Pleasure's all mine. Where, uh, whereabouts are you in the world at the moment? Are you in Israel or are you in the US? Oh, so I'm I'm based in Boston. I'm working from Boston those days. Obviously, from Israel, as uh, yep. people can possibly hear on the on the accent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you moved full time to to Boston? Then are you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. I think um I think there's like seven, eight cybersecurity unicorns, something like that over there. A couple with Israeli, like Sneak. Sneak, Cyberlies and Cyberlock on the on the big side. Aqua, yeah, nice. Aqua. There's there's a good number of big, both Israeli and uh, yeah. American companies. Yeah, nice ecosystem of cyber then over there. Yeah, nice. Um, most people just generally think New York. Oh, I'll go to New York <laughs> and break the US. But um, well, look, Leo, thanks for coming on. Um, with all my guests, I like to just sort of go back to where it all began and how you got into the game. The game of cyber or game of yeah, cyber? Yeah, one. Both. Defensive, offensive. I know you're a, a man of many talents. Well, so... You know, my story, my story is, is not as special as, as some people might deem it is. I think it's the classic uh, Israeli 8200 background. Well, um, so, some people have the privilege of join, joining the intelligence corps, um, cyber units. Well, you gain this birth, birth of unique experience and an amazing network of amazing people to work with. So I started my career in the, in the Israeli intelligence, spent almost seven years there. Um, then moved to a startup um, as a vulnerability research researcher in the automotive space. Um, last interesting thing thing I've done before Grip used to be the CTO for Wire Ventures, which is one of the biggest security investors globally. Um, and at some point, you, you see so many people working on the cool ideas, you start to get jealous, especially with my goal being um, finding the next big things we could invest on. And once you have a jackpot, um, there's no reason to to give it to someone else. So at some point after time, after time to invest in SaaS security, we we didn't really like all the teams we met back then. And I've decided I, I might just do it myself. Uh, left Wild Ventures uh, late 2020, well, late 2020, that's yep. the year. And then they've invested in Grip about two weeks after that. So it's been pretty fast paced. We opened the office on February 1st. It's now two and a half years since, and it's been really exciting, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I saw you just took a 41 mil Series B raise as well. So what's that total? 41 million dollar Series B, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What's what's the total since 25 plus? Nice. Yeah, Yeah, nice. Very nice. And you used YL for the seed and for the Series B, so... Well, so the CSB was led by Third Point Ventures. Yeah. Uh, they're very big in security. They, they led the CSB for some bigger companies, you know, Sentinel One, Sysdig. Mm. Uh, hopefully we can follow, Absolutely. follow their path. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. I saw, Um. so you start well, you, after you left the, 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 the 8200, I saw that you had done some vehicle cybersecurity. I was mm-hmm. on YouTube and I saw that you had done some some talks on that. So 
how come you decided not to, to to continue down the vehicle security path? Obviously, connected vehicles it's a it's a big industry. It's it's a big industry, but it's also not as startup friendly. Automotive in general, not not necessarily cyber in automotive. It's not as startup friendly as it uh, could be. And I think cyber in general, if we break down cyber and automotive, doing them together have have its own benefits, but cyber as an industry is very startup friendly. You have a lot of companies, you have a lot of great buyers, Palo and CrowdStrike and Microsoft, and CISOs are generally inclined to working with startups. They, they like the innovation. Uh, well, in the automotive industry, it's quite the opposite. You can only sell working with 11 permitted TRA sellers, Continental, Bosch, uh, Lear and others. Yeah. And you get paid when your solution hits the road, but it takes six or seven years for it to actually happen. So for a startup, if um, Volkswagen or, or Ford decide to delay the vehicle by a year, you need to find resources to make sure the company doesn't close. And I've seen this working in automotive where Every every delay in projects of the automotive companies of the of the OEM manufacturers um, kills a generation of startup every time they do it. I didn't want to take this risk. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm not at the top of the pyramid in automotive. I am, you know, more experienced, way more experienced than average when it comes to cyber. Yeah, yeah, and you didn't want to find yourself in Detroit over Boston, by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm coming to Detroit uh, quite often. You know, we we do like to work with uh, the big automotive. Just uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I no, nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so while she was at Wild Ventures, was you actually doing evaluations of the cybersecurity companies or general companies that were looking to to fundraise? Yeah, um, I was part of the investment team, and we met almost every uh, team of entrepreneurs in cyber. Um, every year yeah nice what that must have give you quite a unique lens on launching your own startup what what did you see from some of the companies that you did evaluate that you thought that was great i want that in my 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 startup or and did you see anything you were like ah that's terrible <laughs> it won't be so you know i spent a lot of my time back then seating as a as a fly on the wall in conversations between entrepreneurs and, and CISOs. Um, and, and with my role as kind of a technical translator or technical evaluator to the financial team, um, you see patterns of mistakes and patterns of uh, successes that, that entrepreneurs have. Um, mistakes could be asking the wrong questions, misrepresenting the tech, um, not understanding the challenges or the value. As an example, technical founders have a tendency to value the technology and not the value of the product. So, you know, they, they present something super complex and are excited by how it can stop sophisticated attacks. And the CISO says, well, I'll never get to deploy this, so it's useless. Um, it requires, uh, I don't know, an agent on all of the phones of all of my employees, it's never going to happen. I have bigger fish to fry and yeah. better hills to die on. Uh, um, 
and and once you see those patterns, especially when it comes to SaaS security, I think one of the reasons Griff is successful is because we understood quite early what the problem CISOs are experiencing is, and it's not SSPMs don't don't have enough connectors. API CASBs and SSPMs are built since are being built since 2023, and if if Microsoft and Netscope didn't build enough connectors, there's no reason why we will. Um, also, it's not the problem. Like, there's a reason all those small people that have built a company didn't continue on the path of just adding other plugins. And this is what mostly what we heard from entrepreneurs in the space. What we understood is that there's a tectonic shift in how identities are being consumed. And it, you need to be in depth in the space to understand why it matters and how it matters and what are the challenges and what are the right questions and then also be able to explain to yourself, why would this get priority over other things? Um, because I think big, biggest, um, biggest challenge that many teams had is that once you think of a problem so much, every, if you have a hammer, every problem is a name, they, they start to think of how they can solve the corporation problem with a single solution this yeah. usually is small because by nature you build it with 20 developers tops uh, as a startup. Um, and yeah, it was an amazing experience to see that it contributed a lot to you while we're still building the same thing we promised when we presented the PowerPoint to the investor. Yeah, love that. Let's talk about Grip. So yeah. where, where did the inspiration come from? And can you give us a bit of an overview of who Grip are and what you guys are up to? Yeah, so, so Grip is a SaaS identity risk management solution. We see how every business today leverages SaaS to do everything that they do. Uh, that's sales and marketing and security and IT and finance. Everyone is using SaaS applications as the operation system of the business. Um, if, if you think of how Grip came to be, it, it wasn't a surprising trend. I don't think anyone would be surprised if we claimed three and a half years ago when, when I worked for Wild Ventures that SaaS is going to become the operation system of the business. Everyone knew it's coming, but the traditional ways was of how SaaS was handled were network-centric in nature, while SaaS doesn't abide to the rules of the network. This is where Grip came in as a newer technology to help organization manage their SaaS identity risk. So understand where identities are created, automatically map who's using what within my business, and then use a layer of proactive automation to reduce the risk continuously. Because if, if you think of SaaS today, every time an employee creates an identity, every time you sign up using a sign-up form, it introduces new risk to the business. If you or I were to leave our company today, we would still retain access to many of the applications that we used to use while working for the business. Um, and because, because those applications define um, how the company operates, they're connected to all of the sensitive assets of the business, having a breach to one of them has a material effect on the company. Um, so yeah, we, we introduced just a layer of newer technologies to, to solve this, and also a new approach. SaaS is not a network problem. SaaS is an identity problem. Mm, absolutely. How um so I was when I was reading up on on Grip, it, it said that you was doing something quite unique that wasn't network centric or API centric. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. 
So we understood there's one ubiquitous way in which SaaS applications and users communicate. It's, it's not the device, it's not the network, because you can log in from your phone, you can sign up from your private device. The only means of the communication between user identities and SaaS are um, email. You sign up and you get welcome emails, password reset, billing notifications. What we learned um, or built is an NLP model, natural language processing, that understand context of how applications are consumed. And then leveraging our very simple integration, we're able to both give full visibility to what have been used and continuously track new threats as they come in. Yeah. yeah. How, how big is this problem? I was looking, it's like 75,000 apps, like SaaS apps are available. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> uh, that's a lot and it's changing on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. What was the statistic about 2030? I was reading up on... Um, so I think it's just obvious that SaaS is not going anywhere. Even if, even if the number of apps is not going to change, there's enough SaaS applications out there to, um, supply any demand or need. And there's more applications that any enterprise can manage in a, in, in a manual way. Um, yeah. so 70,000 apps today, that's going to go up probably five times larger in, in 20, 2030. But even with the number today, every business just cannot handle the sheer amount of applications, but it's not only the amount of applications, it's the change in how we consume IT as a business. It's no longer IT who have a stock gap to bringing things in. They're, not, they're no longer responsible for setting up the server and installing the technology and creating the accounts. All they're responsible for is security for the application and revoking access at time. And they cannot do that when they don't have the controls they used to have in the past. We're trying to help them retain this. Yeah, and I saw it was at 50% of technology purchases don't go through IT as well. Yep. Wow, that's just... Uh... That's a new reality. Yeah. So you mentioned a few times in other things that you wrote about and podcasts, like it's evolved over the last 10 years. Like how, how has it evolved since 10 years ago? Um, you know, one of the pivotal moments that we were looking at, and, and it ties back to my experience uh, working for Wild Ventures during COVID, is that while for a long time we tried to add patches over SaaS, um, it completely exploded when we understood that the, the main thing we relied on, the network, the office, the employees being next to each other, doesn't apply anymore. That was during COVID. And it's not that COVID made SaaS a problem. COVID helped in the realization that we cannot trust the office. Um, we cannot trust the office as a monitoring choke point for the activity of our employees. Not that we could before. If you think of, of the average organization, the sales force is scattered across the entire US. But but even then, they assume the SDRs and the salespeople and the door-to-door -door marketing are going to come to a centralized location that you can manage. It doesn't make any sense in today's reality. Um, the second thing that changed is that culturally, our employees are expecting to use SaaS. You cannot longer hire someone and tell them, you know, no Wi-Fi for you. You need to use those self-hosted applications. 
because in a competitive market, and it's still a competitive market, when you need to hire talent, talent expects to come in using their tools. If you hire a magnificent data engineer or a marketer, they expect you to assume part of the knowledge and experience is knowing which applications they should sign up for in order to do the job you expect them. And those tools are SaaS tools. So even if you wanted to buy a you know, self-hosted version of Mercado, you can't. And if you hire a Mercado expert to manage your marketing campaigns, then you have no other choice. Yeah, for sure. I saw that you've had some phenomenal growth. Um, what's that, 400%? What mm -hmm. have been some of like the key reasons for, for that? Uh, we have a great product and a great team. There's no, <laughs> no other reason. SaaS is a problem, and we have tech that no one else has. Just on the team, can you just mention your two co-founders? We forgot to, to yeah. even mention um, those two. <laughs> I found the company with Dan Fast and Alon Schenkler. We all met uh, in the military. Uh, that's you know part of the advantages of working with amazing people is that you, you get this network of experts that can work with you on problems. Um, and and Alon and I have been working for a very long time together. Um, so yeah, I met them. Nice. But they're not the only part of our amazing team. We have an amazing go-to-market team in the US uh, led by Drew Ganter and Yaxay Song. We have an amazing um, Israeli executive team for product, HR, and finance. And we have you know, just a really good group of talented people all across. Yeah, lovely stuff. What's uh, what's the future, Leo? Where, what are we going to be doing? Where are we taking grip? Yeah, we're growing. Uh, we need to, you know, 400% is good for last year, but we need to do it again next year. And in order to do that, we need, you know, to, to go our footprint in the SaaS security market. And we need the SaaS security market to go with us, which, which it does. Absolutely. Lior, I wish you all the best of success with Grip and uh, I'll see you when I'm stateside. Yeah, thank you, Joseph. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, please like and share with your friends and colleagues as this is really important for the show's reach. If you'd like to be our next guest or are interested in Aspiron Search's staffing solutions, please get in touch directly with me or reach out to us via our website, www.aspironsearch.com.